Trump is the most admired man, California is the most messed up state, and I'm the most incorrect podcaster. I'm Josiah Everton, and this is The Glorious Rescue. Aren't you tired of feeling forced to choose between staying informed and being indoctrinated? Listen to the condensed news cycle without the lies, agendas, and confusion from the mainstream media, all while engaging in deeper discussions about the principles that have influenced our great nation. This is what rescuing America looks like. This is The Glorious Rescue. Yes, we're starting off today's episode with some clickbait titles, but they are not clickbait. They are actual news. Trump is the most admired man, according to a recent poll, and I'm the most incorrect podcaster. We're going to get into why that is actually right now. What have I been messing up on? A couple of different things. First of all, I just randomly remembered this. I randomly remembered like one of those, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and remember something random type things. I mean, not exactly like that, but you get the point. I forgot that a couple episodes ago, I had said that we were going to play a video of Margaret Thatcher and in her conversation, in regards to our conversation about socialism versus capitalism. We had that episode two episodes ago. I've never played a, a, a segment or a video of Margaret Thatcher. So that's what we're getting into today. I'm actually going to roll the clip right now, a little bit lengthier, a minute or two, and we're going to briefly talk about it. I give way to the honorable gentleman. There is no doubt that the Prime Minister has in many ways achieved substantial success. There is is one statistic that I understand is not, however, challengeable, and that is that over her 11 years, the gap between the richest 10% and the poorest 10% in this country has widened substantially. How can she say at the end of her chapter of British politics that she can justify many people in a constituency such as mine being relatively much poorer, much less well housed, and much less well provided than it was in 1979? Surely she accepts that is not a record that she or any Prime Minister can be proud of. Mr. Speaker, all levels of income are better off than they were in 1979. But what the Honourable Member is saying is that he would rather the poor were poorer, provided the rich were less rich. That way you will never create the wealth for better social services as we have. And what a policy. Yes, he would rather have the poor poorer, provided the rich were less rich. That is a liberal policy. Yes, it came out. He didn't intend it to, but he did. I give way to the the Honourable Gentleman. I'm extremely extremely grateful. The the, the Prime Minister is aware that uh, I detest every single one of her domestic policies and have never had that. And I think that the Honourable Gentleman knows that I have the same contempt for his socialist policies as the people of East Europe who have experienced it have it for that. I think I must have hit the right nail on the head when I pointed out that the logic of those policies are they'd rather have the poor poorer. Once they start to talk about the gap, they'd rather the gap were that. You do not create wealth and opportunity that way. You do not create a property-owning democracy that way. 
Okay, so a couple quick things on that, right? First of all, poor be poor, rather the poor be poor. <laughs> I love Margaret Thatcher. She's hilarious to listen to. So there's a couple different things, a couple different points to take away from this. First of all, she's exactly right. I hate the gap illustration because people say, oh, well, the gap's bigger because Margaret Thatcher is exactly right. Picture the gap, right? And what she was saying was, is they would rather the gap be smaller, even if it means the gap's lower or the income for everyone's lower. They'd rather the poor be poorer and bring the poor even further down if it means the gap's even smaller. They'd rather that than to have a bigger gap, but everyone and everyone's income be raised up higher. That's kind of the idea of capitalism and socialism, bringing everyone up, kind of um, a rising tide raises all ships illustration, if that makes sense. She's right. And I also like the idea of, like you see in this house here, opposing sides faced each other. And that guy had, had the guts to look at Margaret Thatcher and say, I detest everything that you stand for, basically. And... I, I think it would be really good in American politics if people from opposing sides had to literally stand up from uh, ap apart from each other, against each other, face to face, and call each other out why they think each other are wrong, rather than just shooting shots, backstabbing, and all of that. Nevertheless, I'm not going to get too far into that. So, so that's my first mistake. That's my first mistake is I never played that video, that I had full intention to do so, and I never even mentioned it in our discussion on socialism and capitalism, which was a few episodes ago, which if you haven't listened to it, I definitely recommend you go ahead and check that episode out. But... Our last episode, which plug for that episode as well, if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead and check it out. I made another error, and that is that I called the last, the end of show segment, the vast past, when it should have been teach the speech. We literally went through a speech, and I called it the vast past, I think. So with that, that is my apologies. Those were my errors today. But let me make this very clear. I'm extraordinarily excited about end of show segments as we go further into the show. Teach the speech. I have a few really good ideas. Some of the founding era, we're going to go through Constitution, Declaration of Independence, some of the Federalist Papers, the vast past will continue on to the discussion of the amendments. So I'm just really excited about the f continuing the show and the future of it. You may be wondering why I have this little root beer can here. And this is a personal story. And you may, be, may also be wondering how this has anything to do with the episode today. In fact, you might be wondering if I just simply forgot it because, you know, I, I would love root beer and all. And this actually is my favorite root beer, Blue Sky Root Beer. And this is not a video sponsor, if you are also wondering that. Unfortunately, Blue Sky, if you want to, you know, you, you can find me over on Instagram at The Glorious Rescue. But this was something that was very frustrating to me. I came in to this morning to my room and found this Blue Sky Root Beer. And this is my favorite type of root beer, <clears throat> all-time favorite root beer. It is the best root beer on the planet. And it was cracked open and it was basically full. And my brother had just told me that he got some just like a few hours prior. So I assumed that him, out of the goodness of his own heart, he happened to crack it open or whatever, took a drink and thought, oh, you know, I'm going to pass it over to Josiah. My mind didn't really think through it. I just came in and saw my favorite root beer, took a sip of it. <sighs> yeah, it's, um, it's water. I got played by my brother, Jeremiah, the one who was on the, uh, the most recent episode, I want to say episode 50 about AOC and all that. Yep, I, I got played by my brother Jeremiah. So I hope you know, Jeremiah, I'm coming for you. So I know we're covering some random things here. We have a few more random stories. And that's really what the show is today is some random items, some different stories here and there. And I know we covered some important things already, not including the root beer, of course, <laughs> but some some random stories here moving into first and foremost, Trump being labeled being polled at the most admired man. Let me preface this by saying somehow good old Barack Hussein Obama has gotten this award since 08 
for 12 consecutive years, Barack Obama has been the most admired man. Now riddle me that. How Barack Obama, who sent millions and billions of dollars, pallets of cash to Iran, who absolutely obliviated the American economy, who is awful on the foreign scale with terrorism, who, I could go on and on, how that man was the most admired man for 12 consecutive years, and Donald Trump got it. So some people are saying this is Donald Trump patting himself on the back. I don't necessarily think it is. It's a Gallup poll, and so he was found as the most admired man. This is mostly because, if we're being honest, we look at the data, it's because the Democrats were very split. They had some very hard choices. They were, I mean, they were stuck between Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Fauci, and so with that, the Democratic vote was split, and so Trump pulled through. So we have that. We also have California in the Supreme Court. Like I said, the probably the worst state when it comes to Supreme Court and court issues. The California Supreme Court, what am I referring to? And that is thousands and thousands of nonviolent felons have now have now the opportunity of getting early releases and early paroles. So what this basically is, is the California Supreme Court ruled that basically thousands of inmates, literally thousands of convicts, convicts of people, people who are convicted for non-forcible crimes. I'm not going to get into the type of crimes, but I think you can understand by what I'm implying here. Certain types of crimes, but then also in general, non uh, non-forced violent crimes, any type of violent crimes. And so now the Supreme Court has basically ruled that it is acceptable and it now will go to the state, to, to the ballot box. And so now the Californians will, will have the opportunity to vote on this measure, which last time it was passed by when Jerry Brown was governor and it passed by, I think, two thirds, two thirds of Americans voted. And the, the important note here, I mean, there's lots of important takeaways, but one of the main key takeaways is that in this, there's no exception for people who have been convicted of certain type certain types of violent acts. So non-forcing violent crimes or non-violent felonies, I guess, is how it's categorized. There's obviously a certain category of those that are not exempt whatsoever. And now we'll go to the California ballot box as people being exempt, being able to leave early as a gesture of kindness, maybe to some of these people. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe a higher level of risk because Gavin Newsom wants to keep putting people in danger. I, I, I really don't understand. I mean, he wants to set up a 10 o'clock curfew because he cares about his citizens and then he wants to early release all these individuals. It makes total sense to me. I, I think Gavin Newsom was was given the hypocritical award of 2020. In fact, I think they renamed the hypocritical award of 2020 to the Gavin Newsom award of 2020. Like they literally had to rename the hypocritical award to the Gavin Newsom award because he's so hypocritical. That is not my own joke. I, I will I will give credit to whom credit is due. And so with that, be careful. I, I guess I would say I, I don't really know what else to say other than more horrible legislation, not legislation, but more horrible rulings from the California Supreme Court and California in general. And I know I'm moving very, very quickly here. I have some people say talk I, I, who say I talk too fast and I agree with them. But at some point, I got 20 minutes to kind of go through something twice a week and all the news and keep all of us informed as well as continue to develop our minds in regards to these deeper discussions. And so with that, I sometimes have to talk a little bit quicker. Feel free to let me know. Comment, let me know, message me so that I know what is acceptable, what is not. I do appreciate your feedback, specifically in the last episode. Good support there. And I, I like to know that to gauge whether we like more of those end of show segments, more of the, the news cycle. I tend to want to lean more towards those end of show segments. So free, feel free to always let me know. But this one is a very humorous story to me. I find it rather enjoyable discussing it, and that is Joe Biden came out and basically saying basically saying that the, the Department of Defense 
has not helped us enough. My team, here's what he said, quote, my team needs a clear picture of our force posture around the world and our operations to deter our enemies. We need full visibility. And he goes on and on and on. And he says, but as I said from the beginning, we have encountered roadblocks from the political leadership at the Department of Defense and the Office of Management and Budget. Right now, we just aren't getting all the information that we need from the outgoing administration in key national security areas. It's nothing short, in my view, of irresponsibility. The Department of Defense basically came out and said, yeah, we've given you more than you've, you've even asked for, so good on you, nice try, but it's just not true. The Department of Defense came out saying, or I should say, the Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, came out and said, quote, the Department of Defense has conducted 164 interviews with over 400 officials and provided over 5,000 pages of documents, far more than initially requested by Biden's transition team. DOD's efforts already surpassed those of recent administrations over three weeks ago, and we continue to schedule additional meetings for the remainder of the transition and answer any and all requests for information in our purview. Yeah, so it's actually not happening. It's not true. Joe Biden just coming out and saying that, making headlines. I'm not really, really sure. But um, any, <laughs> nevertheless, that's what Joe Biden's uh, message is right now to the American people, is he's whining about not getting enough information when he's getting everything that is needed. Really quickly, is just a brief update on the election. And that is simply put that some people, Republicans are suing Mike Pence. There's this whole idea going around that Mike Pence basically gets to pick the president. I will say that that's a very loose, very, very loose interpretation of the 12th Amendment. Very loose. The 12th Amendment basically states that it is the vice president's job, the president of the Senate, to get up and open up the slate of electors for that state and count the electors, electoral votes cast for that state for the president to tally them up, etc. The argument is being made that because the 12th Amendment gives him the provision to count the, boat, the votes, he gets to choose which votes he gets to count. I've talked about on the show before the alternating and separate slates of electors. And when you have states contesting and you have seven states right now that have two separate states of electors, some for one for Joe Biden and one for Donald Trump. And so with that, they're basically saying that because Mike Pence under the 12th Amendment as the president of the Senate, he gets to open up and count the electoral votes. He gets to then choose which slate of electors. I think it's kind of a weak argument. I think most people, uh, most constitutionalists would think it's a weak argument. You have Republicans suing. You have Republicans saying they shouldn't sue. People throwing lawsuits at Mike Pence because he has the sole discretion to name valid electoral college votes. And I don't mean throw the lawsuits at Mike Pence. I mean, throw them into court, basically saying Mike Pence should have this right. We'll see. I, I, I again, I I err towards the side of this doesn't, I have read the 12th Amendment dozens of times, and I've never come to the con conclusion that Mike Pence, or the vice president, because he gets to count the votes, gets to choose which votes he counts. Again, I'm not, I'm just trying to look at it as a realist. I'm not being all cynical and sarcastic. We'll see what happens, and we'll see what the ramifications are and how that, that comes out. But that is a brief note to make for all of you. Lastly, is not a story. It is actually a transition where you may ask, to our end of show segment of The Founding Era. Welcome to another segment of The Founding Era. We're moving right along into this segment of The Founding Era. Probably, I actually just realized this, if you're listening on the audio platforms, you are probably missing a lot of context when it comes to the show. Whether it be the Prime Minister and the, the whole speaking and uh, speech from Margaret Thatcher or what I just did over here on the microphone, you're probably missing a lot of context. The root beer, the root beer is a big one. So if you're not listening on the YouTube channel, I highly recommend you head on over to the YouTube channel, The Glorious Rescue, and start watching us over here on The Glorious Rescue. You get the visual effects. You get the 
the higher end auditing, editing, auditing as well, and a couple different features. Obviously, you get to watch the videos and watch the video clips that we we show rather than just listening to them. But whatever's easiest for you, we always appreciate. So we're moving into the, the founding era. And with that, we're going to talk about the preamble. Some of are moving into, and as we move through the founding era, we're going to be talking about the Constitution. I think, obviously, it's one of our founding documents. I do believe the Declaration of Independence more is a more founding document in regards to our principle, and then the Constitution more founding in regards to the application. So, with that, we're going to talk about the preamble today, just very briefly. It reads very, in short, gives six provisions. It says, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. So people say there's six provisions. There's really only five. It's basically the first, they add the last, the sixth as the last one saying ordaining the constitution. I would say that really they're saying that we want to, we the people are forming this constitution for what purpose? And then they give five purposes. What are they? Like I said, to establish justice. That's the first one. I also like the fact that this is in writing. There's, if you really do a lot of study in law, we've talked about John Locke and Blackstone and all of these different individuals, the rule of law. I think one of the most important documents in regards to the rule of law is the Magna Carta as well, setting up the rule of law, that it is not the rule of a king, but the rule of a law. And back in the 1300s, but Hammurabi way back when, but Hammurabi, way back when, was really the first one who kind of came forward with the idea of written law. The idea that law is not just passed on by me, or it's not just the decree of a king, or whatever he wills, or whatever is being said, but it actually has to be written down. And the reason why it has to be written down is because then it is unchanging. It is set in stone, and no one is above it, including the ruler, including the king, including the president, whoever the leader is. That is important. Written law is fundamental and, and foundational to a governmental system because it sets in, in place permanently what that system is, how it's going to act, what the ramifications are for not following it, etc. And so the first, the, the first reason for establishing this constitution, the first way to establish a more perfect union, not a perfect union because we are men and we are not obviously divine, but to form a more perfect union is to first establish justice, to to create some semblance of a rule of law, and obviously that being the constitution and, and a governmental order and how we will we will run as a government. And then to ensure domestic tranquility, calmness, peaceness, right peace, and provide for the common defense. The obvious application of that would be military, police, border patrol, all of that, customs and whatnot. And so providing for the common defense. The next one, interesting, promote the general welfare. Does not in, it, it, it does not say ensure or promise or provide for a general welfare or provide a baseline income or guarantee a certain amount of welfare or income for individuals. It just talks about promoting that general welfare, kind of like what Margaret Thatcher talked about, giving free enterprise and allowing free enterprise. So not really giving any credence to the gap or the disparity, but just allowing and creating a system of free enterprise to which people can rise up regardless of the gap and promote that general welfare again free enterprise and lastly secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this constitution of the united states for the united states of america that last one is beautiful obviously to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity 
The idea is, again, going back to written law, we have something that we can go back to when the government infringes upon our rights. We can go back to this constitution saying, this is where you infringed and this is what you are not allowed to do. And that, that is how we secure the blessings. If you remember, I've mentioned, I mentioned often on the show, Thomas Jefferson is the one who said, basically educate and inform the whole mass of the American people for they are the only sure reliance for the preservation of our liberty. The idea of education and learning these principles are what protect and, and, and provide for and also promulgate those liberties. They secure those liberties so that we can pass it on to our posterity. And the way to to protect those liberties, like I said, is to educate ourselves on these principles. But we cannot educate ourselves if we don't first learn to just simply love them. But again, the way to love them is to learn from them. It's kind of like, it's very cyclical to start learning them. And that, that creates a desire and a love for them, the beauty and the truth. And then from that, we have more desire to learn. Then we lo- learn more and then we desire more to learn, if that makes sense. I'm trying to give you that whole you know, routine, if that makes sense. But that's the goal here of the show, the glorious rescue. The way to rescue America is returning to those principles, those biblical principles, like I mentioned on the show often. If those are principles you agree with, go ahead and let us know. Hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button. You can leave us a five-star review, a rating. It is always appreciated. If you are right now, really quickly listening on the YouTube channel, if you could click the very top, the link in the browser right now, just click it. It'll select it copy it. And if you could go to five friends, if you can't do five, do three. And if you can't do three, just one, send it to one person, just one person, just paste that link into your messages and say, Hey, check this out. It is greatly appreciated. I will be very grateful for it. Yes. Of course, if they do listen to it, then they'll listen to the end of it. And then they'll see that they that you only send it to them because I asked you to, but nevertheless, it will be very helpful to us. So definitely make sure to continue to tune in every Tuesday and Friday for more. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Josiah Everton, and this is the glorious rescue.